Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a monthly solutions, well, it used to be monthly, now a weekly. I don't know why I said monthly, but a weekly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Each week, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So I slipped at the beginning probably because I'm just so excited to have uh, my, uh, uh, today's guest is someone who is uh, very well-respected and known in the, the world of, of leadership coaching, and I'm excited to have her. She's going to tell us a little bit about herself, but um, it, it, it shows in the work. Uh, she, she writes articles and little snippets uh, for coaches and even some of the people that are, that are benefiting from coaching uh, to, to uh, hear and, and grow from. And so I'm excited to have with me today uh, Dr. Lubna Nureddin. Welcome, Lou. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's such a pleasure. I'm honored to be with you, Brian. I've, I've seen, I've heard your show. I've heard your talks. Very, very interesting people. So thank you for having me over. Yes, yes. And thank you so much. Um, so much I want to talk to you about. And uh, um, not unlike uh, my other guests that have been on the show, I've uh, just really been drawn into the things that you write and, and pieces that um, I've found very useful and that I've passed along to both students and clients and uh, others, uh, advice that you've given uh, to others uh, more broadly um, around uh, their coaching practice. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in a couple of posts that I did, uh, particularly on, on LinkedIn, uh, I mentioned that um, earlier this summer, one of my colleagues from Columbia University is a, a, also a well-known executive coach, and uh, we talked about the importance of having good training as a coach. And so someone who uh, actually knows what they're doing, knows how to uh, uh, use instruments to help you grow and develop uh, in leadership. And, and so um, I know, and we had just a brief part of the conversations, uh, you know, there are a lot of reasons why sometimes it doesn't work. Um, and so I've invited you here, as you know, to talk about some of that, because you did give some advice on that. But first, I want to hear um, a little bit about you. Let me get to know you a little bit. I know you're a master certified coach, and um, you've been you know, speaking, doing public speaking. Tell me a little bit about yourself, because I know you have a fascinating history. Love to know a little bit about you and how you got here. What made you um, uh, entered the field of executive coaching. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, I started uh, the, in the field of coaching in 2005 and, ha and have continued ever since learning, taking courses every single year that helped me become a better coach. And uh, I stumbled upon coaching when I was completely dedicated in the corporate world leading uh, an amazing group 
of learning and development professionals in a healthcare system. And I would notice consistently that the most excited and talented people in the room would leave, you know, with tools and practices, and they're excited to start them. And yet when I would check in a couple of months later, maybe if I'm lucky, 3% have actually applied them or changed in any way, changed their behavior. Wow. Correct. So, you know, you go through training uh, and you – I'm an avid learner, and I know one when I see one. So in the room, I would see people really excited about it, wanting. But then you go back to work, and you go back to reality, and your environment or culture doesn't assist you or support you. Your manager is not holding you accountable. And you forget. You get back into your mess. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and I saw the hope with coaching. Mm-hmm. The, the minute I started learning about coaching, I personally was impacted in the classroom when I was learning how to coach by this novice learner who asked me powerful questions and impacted my life. I actually changed my home, changed location, changed job because of my yeah. first class in coaching. So it was this person that had no clue what she was doing to me, but yet she asked me, very specific question yeah, that yeah. impacted me, right? So you know what I'm talking about, Brian. Oh, and so we started integrating coaching into the learning environment. And instead of just course after course, it was two weeks of learning, then two weeks of coaching, and voila, the magic happened. Sure. sure. Suddenly people started to to apply the knowledge and they would come back to us and as coaches talk about their challenges, you know, the mindset, the shifts, the blocks, the things that are usually you would not know just as trainers. And that's how my journey started. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm a strong believer, like I'm a strong believer in how much humans are capable of doing uh, I survived two civil wars. I came as a refugee to Canada, and uh, I got a second chance in life. And I know without a doubt that those people that mentored me in the U.S. and in Canada were so powerful and impactful and changed my life. And I know coaches can do the same. We can do the same for others. Mm-hmm. Wow. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I, I I never really considered it until you just said that, that being an avid learner, also, I think about um, myself, uh, th- part of my fascination and being drawn to coaching is, I, I would say it's two things. One is that the the marvel of human potential in, in yeah. the way which we can we can improve uh, and do better uh, in in so many different ways, it, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, it just it just takes effort and application. Um, so one is that uh, just being fascinated by it, but being an avid learner, I think, and wanting to know things has also helped that uh, a certain curiosity that you have about 
about the nature of problems and issues, being able to ask the right questions. Um, I, I think my introduction was being exposed to some of the instruments. I have just been fascinated by things like StrengthsFinder, you know, the uh, Needling Brain Inventory, and other uh, components that you can you can expose people to 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 hold up a mirror and help them see who they are in the way of helping them get better at accomplishing. Uh, their goals. So whether it is something about their communication style or their conflict resolution style, doesn't matter. Uh, what what fascinates me most about that is the application of that in their in their lives to get better. Uh, that that uh, that resonates with me. Um, oh, I yeah. Go ahead. No, one hundred percent. And there are so many powerful tools out there. And you brought up a good point, Brian, at the beginning. There are many overnight coaches uh, these days. There's thousands of coaches that take uh, a weekend course and on Monday are marketing themselves as great coaches. Yeah, and it yeah. really takes diligence, due diligence. And uh, it's a long-term strategy to become a really good coach. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, right? And I tell people yeah. the moment you realize you're no longer present, and the whole is only the person in front of you, that's when you become a really good coach. Yeah, yeah. What would you say, uh, and this just came to me, because I, I was thinking about um, the skills, all the different skills that, that you have to hone when you're a coach. There are a lot of things you have to, to do and know um, what I, what, and so I, I was wondering, what would you say is the, the uh, if you could rank it uh, one of the top, if not the top um, skill that you would attribute to a really good coach. What what's first kind of the first thing that comes to mind for you? For me, what comes to mind first and foremost is understanding that person's map of the world. Mm. So mm. listening and honing in on their map of the world. How do they see the world? How do they view the experience? What is it that they feel, hear, or do? It's so important to unpack and unlock their potential. Yeah, yeah. And that takes yeah. a lot of listening, Brian. A lot of listening well, and a lot of, you know, stepping away from who you are to who they are and yeah. speaking their language. So Absolutely. building your self-awareness based on their awareness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I was going to say, you jump right in on that, is that I was thinking, for me, it is being a good listener. And I think that was a part of what you yes. were just saying. Like, oh, like, absolutely. One of the top skills of, of being a good coach is being a good listener. And, and Brian, I, this is why I talk about learning. I still remember how humbling it was for me to do my first recording, recording. So in the, in the International Coaching uh, uh, Federation, one of the uh, international coaching bodies, and there are many uh, affluent out there, but you have to record yourself and then listen to yourself and then shift from just voice to type your recording to send it to your assessor. That was yes. very humbling for me. Right, and mm -hmm. it is humbling to anyone who starts the process because yes. I did not shut up. I was a really <laughs> bad coach when I did the first one. 
Yeah. And I realized that I spoke more than my client. <laughs> and that recognition truly was humbling to me because I had to go back, apologize to that client and say, can we do this again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well I, you know, you say that's a very interesting point about um, not talking too much um, but listening. I've often told people who have asked what makes it work. And or how do you know how to provide answers to them? And I say, you know, most of the clients I've had have come up with their own answers. I know the questions to ask uh, that the, the clients I have generally know their circumstances better than anyone else. And so as we start to unpack things, and if you're listening well enough, you can ask just the right questions, and I've had some of them go, wait, I'm, I, I came here at thinking you were going to tell me, and I think I already know. You know, that they, yes. they uncover it. It's, it's like a light bulb goes off, and it's like I, I, I think, I know you know, literally there's a light bulb, Brian, that goes off when you allow yourself the space to hear yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we give that space as coaches. We allow the person to actually listen to their own voice. And there's a light bulb that happens. Something happens in your brain, a shift mm-hmm. in, you know, your, um, a transformation happens when you're able to hear your own voice, which doesn't happen much. Yeah. You know, we get interrupted all day. Uh, people speak to us all day. No one is asking you the right questions to know more or deep dive, it, yes. it just requires time for you to listen and be able to be there for that person. Sure, sure. And I have had, I, I, well, let me back up and say that there are a lot of people, because I do want to go back to this, this notion of training. There are a lot of people who do a good job of, of, of coaching people and they do a decent job of helping them uncover. And, and I've had them when I've pushed and say, but you know, if you had training and I, sometimes depending on who it is, I say, if you had training, you'd be dangerous, you know, um, because they would be so (laughs) good at it that some people have a natural knack for asking questions and getting people to trust them. And that's only part of it. The other part yes. is having the skill set, the actual skills that come along with it. That's where you've been trained. You know the principles behind what you're doing and what you're saying to actually be effective. And what I like to say is consistently effective, where you can hear something from someone. It might be slightly different in someone else and go, ah, I know I've, I've seen this before and I know what it is, and so I know how to approach it. And so what, what seems to end up being the difference is the training. And, and so I've, I've told people time and time again, go, please go and get training, because you could be yeah. very helpful, helpful to your client if you, if you had the correct training. Absolutely, Brian, and and there is a science to it, and yes. not following the process 
could actually be almost uh, a punishment for your client. Yeah. It, it yeah. truly could hurt and not help at all. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, when we're working with self-doubt, uh, and if you have someone who significantly has self-doubt and you just, you know, beat them with do this and do that and do this without really understanding where the source is, that could be really dangerous. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I've read an article, and I, it was probably a couple of years ago, maybe a couple of uh, uh, psychologists, I think they were, wrote this article. Um, and it was kind of, uh, the question was, kind of the empirical question was, do you need a coach or a therapist? And, and they, what they were saying is they're trying to help people understand the difference. And I've actually had people who I know that have been coaches um, that that didn't know that the time to recommend some professional therapy for a client was was in order, but actually thought that they could tackle some of those issues. So you mentioned self-doubt and getting to the source is that sometimes what it means to get to the source for some of them has to do with different levels of of, uh, of psychological issues that you're yes. not you know you're not trained to do as a coach and you as a coach you know what those are if you've been trained you know when you're stepping into an area where it's not your role Absolutely, Brian. And and true story, it happened to uh, one of my colleagues here uh, in South Florida, where uh, he's a relationship coach. He was brand new. He didn't know much of what he was doing. And one of the two people he was coaching committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. It happens. Uh, not many stories are reported or related to the dangers and yeah. this is one of the examples of how, how coaching fails. Coaching yeah. fails when we're not able to truly understand if coaching is what the client needs. Yeah, right. And right now, right now as we're speaking, you know, the American uh, Association of Psychology in the U.S. is saying there's 47 million uh, people reporting having an anxiety disorder. So even more reason why we as coaches need to be even careful and deliberate in doing the assessments that we need to do mm -hmm. to serve the client and make sure it, we are the right person for that client. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, just from your experience, so now I want to, uh, if we can pivot to talking about, so there are times when it doesn't work. Um, and, and probably all of us have coaches as coaches, if you've, if you've done this for a while, you've run across very difficult circumstances. I'd love to talk and share a little bit about when it hasn't worked, um, worked out well. And what are some of those, those situations where, um, it, it didn't work for you? Absolutely. And, you know, I just wrote about this uh, in Forbes, and yeah. the, the number one that I consistently see, and uh, it's also 
you know, a training opportunity for leadership is when leaders, the, the manager of that client, that person, is not clear on expectations. So when you have fuzzy expectations, mm-hmm. it really damages the coaching relationship. And I'll give you two examples, Brian, that just happened last month to me. Mm-hmm. In one, the manager refused to meet with me and my client and said to me, no, 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 I'll tell you all the problems I'm having with her. You go deal with her. Even though it is possible for me to deal with her and do everything, uh, you know, my sponsor wants me to do, it truly questions the effectiveness of the coaching and impacts it. Because clear expectations matter for two reasons. One, Mm -hmm. it tells that person, we need, this is serious, my boss wants me to change, you know, and work on this. Two, it clarifies the purpose for me. So Mm -hmm. in many occasions, in many, many um, situations with coaching, the, the, what the manager tells the client in front of me is totally different from what I hear in a private conversation with that same manager. Uh, And that, exactly. So even though we might do the coaching and I work on the goals that the manager set based on my private conversation with them, the fact is that coachee, that client, is going back to that environment where there is lack of clarity and lack of clear expectations. So they fall back into that track um, of you know, fuzzy expectations. So they don't get feedback when they goof again, and they don't get true feedback when they do well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another example that is funny that I want to share with you, Brian, is I I once went through a coaching uh, relationship where the manager told me that she's too close to the employee. It's almost like she has mentored him like a little brother, uh, she supports him and, and does not want to tell him uh, to stop emailing her. And that was why I came in and she said, when I speak with him in front of you, I'm going to say I'd like him to work on his time management and email management. And so I said, may I have permission to say you, you, want, you are one example of that? And she said, no. Absolutely not. Don't bring me into it. This is the manager. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and Brian, this is a large organization, and and my sponsor was the chief operating officer. Mm. So these things happen at all levels. No judgment. Providing clear and honest feedback conversations are difficult. Yeah. When you like the person, and it's much easier when you don't like the person. Yes. Well, I, I know one other, and this is kind of uh, tangentially related, is is when when I have um, I have been hired by say a board uh, to help the chief executive or someone in the C suite and. Um, been asked to help them in one way or another, uh, but they they see it as a weakness 
that the person that they're having to do this almost as a part of their improvement, but that they they uh, don't see, especially at the executive level, where uh, it it can be very helpful, and it's not because necessarily because someone is doing so poorly. And so in some cases for me where I've seen that it's not, it doesn't work is where going into the coaching relationship, the person that's being coached sees it as in some ways a punishment, but also a failing on their part where the way it has been set up is that you have to have a coach because you're not good at what you do. Oh, 100%. And, you know, that going into it feeling like a failure is the worst form of coaching relationship. And to your point, Brian, you know, it depends on the culture, right? So when you have an organization with a culture of coaching that is common and considered uh, a way to for succession planning, it's one thing. When that person knows that, you know, they're being... Uh, brought to coaching because of a character trait that they have. It's a different story. So it takes a lot of work really from the coach to uh, work on trust and spend the time to make sure there's a trusting relationship. Otherwise, when coaching is perceived as a form of punishment or retaliation, the leader in front of you will be very hesitant and reluctant to share any form of weakness or even accepting to change. So building that trust is important. And this is why, Brian, internal coaches should not be coaching executive level um, Mm -hmm. within the organization. You know, there is no way as an executive level person, I'm going to tell you about my issues with my employees or my team or my boss. Because yeah. how could I trust you as a, you know, uh, individual dip- distributor, internal coach, how could I trust that the things I tell you are not going to be out in the organization? So there's a valuable opportunity to nurture trust so that there's no hesitation to ensure that the person in the room feels comfortable and connected to you. And that takes work and really consistently being intentional about clarifying your role. For example, one thing I do is in front of my clients and their manager, I make sure that they hear me say clearly to both of them, I do not hold any private conversation with the manager without the presence of the client. Mm-hmm. That is something mm-hmm. I say out loud mm-hmm. and clearly with the manager in front of mm-hmm. my client because I want mm-hmm. my client to trust me because the moment we start the coaching, my complete loyalty is to that client. Yes. And yes. I have been there. I've been yeah. there. I hired seven coaches. Three of them were pushed on me. Four were my choices. Guess where I had a better relationship and better results? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The ones that you right? had the and, and not only that, Brian, yeah, and one miss, and I'm sure you know this because you're an expert in coaching as well. One miss is not giving the person choices 
no matter what relationship I'm going into, they interview me, and at the end of the interview, I tell that client, you have choices. I have two more people that you can interview to make the decision. If you're alone, a solopreneur, like many of us out there, yes. collaborate with other coaches to make sure that that person has a choice. Your client needs to have a choice. Mm. Chemistry is critical. So critical. I don't have to like you, but I, I don't have to like you. But if you're my coach, I really need to like you. Yes, yes. Lugna, I, that is, what you, well, going back to what you said about trust at the center of this, uh, I, I cannot be overstated. It's just not possible that it is at the center of this relationship. And, and as you know, one of the first things we learn how to do in coaching is what we call contracting. And that's not when you, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's not just the signed agreement on the page. It is about how you engage the relationship. So how do you, how do you start? How do you uh, communicate and agree to communicate as a part of the relationship? And that very first conversation is critically important because it's what it, it begins to establish the trust uh, for you as a, as, a, uh, as a coach to your client. I love what you said about uh, this, like having choices um, and yes, making yes. a part of the practice. Absolutely. And, and you know what, Brian, also admitting, right, or accepting when you feel you're not the right person for that person. For example, um, you know, if the person in front of you has re- been reported for being angry or uh, having anger issues and you're not the person for that, you're not the expert, right. find someone yes. who can help. Yes. It, is, it is so much better to serve your client than to think first of serving ourselves. And mm-hmm. we struggle with that. It's hard, you know, to sometimes admit I may not be the right person. Uh, for example, uh, when someone wants from me, uh, they, they want to be better in time management and organizational skills, one of my colleagues who works with me, I have 45 coaches that work with me, she's the best at that. She's like the guru type A crazy uh-huh. time manager. Yes. You know what? I tell, I tell my clients, I'm here for you. I can assist you. I can support you. And I have a wonderful coach that could yes. even be better at this because they're so good at it. They can help yes. you with the right assessment tools. Give them the right. choice. Sometimes they say, absolutely, let me meet them. Sometimes they say no. Yes. But at yes. least have them have a choice. The, the trust is in, in your competence and your integrity in the process is the foundation for a rewarding coaching experience. And and I know we're ready to close, Brian. I know we're ready to close. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to share that um, sometimes we beat ourselves up because the client does not change. And I truly want us to leave with an understanding that when there's no chemistry or trust, there will be no change. And Mm -hmm. the person has to be willing capable and ready to make the change. I'm hired sometimes to deal with an amazing lead, like this person just now that I'm working with, 
extremely valuable to the organization, extremely talented, and experts in the field, yet has a toxic behavior at work. Now, this person has to understand that the pain of not doing anything is stronger or bigger than the pain of change. Otherwise, they will not change. Mm-hmm. So if, if the boss is protecting them, if the manager is protecting them, or the organization desperately needs them, does not want to lose them, then that person has no reason to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, change thank you. Happens, that, that is, yeah. Right, Brian? Yeah. The change happens when that per- person feels that the pain of not changing could be expensive. Yes, yes. That's powerful. I, I think that is an excellent uh, place to, to tie this all together, is that, that the, the key is you have to also have someone who is interested in change. Because if, if coaching is really about performance improvement, and it could be in a number of areas, I'm glad that you brought up the whole point about from a coaching perspective, I know that there are things that are just not what I'm good at. Um, and, and there might be someone that could help, help them better. Um, there are those solopreneurs out there that try to be all things to all people. And I understand, yeah. that I understand the push because it's like, hey, I've decided to be a coach. Uh, I, I think the advice I have given and I would share here is just that um, know what you're good at and and work there, but not try to be all things to everyone. Um, like you, I, I wouldn't dare take on someone who's saying um, time management or or how do I <laughs> how do I organize my schedule? I have someone uh, in my work life that is. Absolutely awesome at that. So um, that's not me. That's not me. I have someone that helps me with that. But um, <laughs> and, yeah, but but there are people who need that, and and that's that's okay because they probably do something else very well. But that's just not one of them. And so um, to the coaches that believe, and I, I don't think you have to try to be everything to everyone. Uh, I think. Know what you're good at, and and then um, just try to you know find the match, as you've said so eloquently. Uh, find the match that you can actually help that person. But but uh, but certainly that if unless that person is seeking improvement, which is change, um, then it's going to be difficult to to be successful. So. Thank you for that piece. So yes, we we actually we're we're already over and out of time, um, and that's all <laughs> fine. I'm, I mean, it just went. I told you before we even got started. I said, you know, the thirty minutes goes really fast. But I I would it be if I didn't uh, give you an opportunity. I ran across you first in Forbes and some other uh, places. So could you please share with the audience where they can follow you, support your work, and any books or articles that you, you want to point to um, that are yours, website, social media handles, anything where people can find you and get in touch with you. Please share. 
Oh, thank you so much. So I'd love for you to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Lubna Noreddin or Mind Market. Either one is great. I'm also uh, mindmarket.org is my organization, Mind as the Brain, market.org. And also uh, at Mind Market Consultants would be uh, another one. And please, by all means, my email is lubna, L-O-U-B-N-A, at mindmarket.org. You can email me any, any time. Another way is chatwithlubna.com. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you for being amazing, Brian. This was really, truly so fast. I can't well, believe it's been 30 minutes. I know already. Well, it's, uh, it's actually been more. It's been 36 minutes. So <laughs> we, this is great. I'm glad you were on. You've added to me and I'm sure to a number of people out there. And so, Luna, uh, wishing you the best and success. Uh, until we meet, go well, stay well. Thank you. Look forward to meeting you, Brian, hopefully someday. Yes, thank you.